Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Meet Kevin Show. We have a very special guest today. It is the most frequented guest to the Meet Kevin Show, and it is Ross Gerber from Gerber Kawasaki, ticker symbol GK for their ETF, and check out their website in the description down below for their financial advice, because Ross actually gives financial advice. Isn't that right, Ross? Doing a lot of it lately. A lot <laughs> of it lately. So well, how much buying or selling did you all do today? Well, we don't we we don't sell on days like today. We are buyers on days like today. Um, today was actually pretty active for us. We've been kind of sitting on our hands as the market keeps going lower every day. You know, yeah. so as I think last time, you know, we talked about we got into a position that we're comfortable with our core holdings. We're not going to change Tesla and Nvidia just because the stocks went down. So we have our core holdings, and we're not leveraged. So we have cash available to invest. Nice. So one of the things that we've done that we did sell was we sold a large portion of our government securities. So where we've been selling is in the government bond area. Um, part of our portfolio is in the bond market. And so we typically manage 20 to 25% of our assets are in bonds and we've been cutting that down. So, so when you're talking about where's the risk in my mind, my, my feeling is the risk is in fixed income because we we are going to see higher inflation rates over the next year or two. And so a two or 3% yield just is a money loser guaranteed. So and, if, and we saw those actually go up today, especially in the right, morning, right? That's a fear trade. So so as yields were moving up uh, before Ukraine, it was like this relentless rise in yields and fall in bonds as, as all of us are selling our bonds. And now because of Ukraine, it created that fear trade. So when there's a fear trade, people just buy government securities irrelevant of, you know, whether it's a good investment long-term. So sure. it gave us the opportunity to continue to sell sell our bonds. So I'm very concerned for people who think fixed income is a good investment right now because, yeah. you know, between inflation and taxes, you know, you got to earn more like 7 or 8% to make it worth your while in a fixed income uh, pre-tax. And, um, and there are very few bonds that pay that. So, yeah, no kidding. Uh, so, so that's where we've been selling. And then where we've been buying is, as we talked last time, we don't, try to like time the market and like today is going to be the bottom or tomorrow. So we just buy a little each week, you know, and when we, we'd like to buy when it's most painful. So believe it or not, it's kind of like the way it works. So the more pain I feel, you know, the more I buy and it's just <laughs> it's really, it's really hard to do. So I, you know, I was feeling it last night, big time. Cause I was really depressed about Ukraine. You know, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, my family's from Ukraine, actually, you know, although we left 100 years ago. Um, my entire, you know, I'm Jewish and, and, and that entire region is where my family is from. And it's been a tough place to live for 100 plus years. And, mm. and just to see more hardship reaped upon the Ukrainians again. I, Russians have caused so much pain and suffering on the Ukrainian people. And to see this continuing again in history, it's tragic. It's really tragic. Um, so I knew the market was going to open down hard and I figured, you know, as painful as this is, I got to buy some stuff today. Yeah. 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 So we did, you know, we did. I, I don't think that this is the turn in the market yet. Um, cause I still think there's a lot of more news about this. That's not good. That's about to come. Yeah. I do have pretty good insights into national security because of my family and, you know, the next couple steps aren't so great. <laughs> the next steps from the U.S. or from or Russia? Both, or both. From both, okay. you know. Okay. So, 
there are already protests in the street in Russia right now, which is very positive. You know, I'm very, very encouraged that Putin has overplayed his hand and the Russian people don't want to suffer. They don't want but to. They've stop. all been arrested. <laughs> They're all well, getting rounded up. Over well, there's there. a terrible. strong history of this going on in Russia of, you know, governments oppressing the dissidents, you know, going back to the czars. So if you go back to like Tsar Nicholas before communism, before Lenin, the Bolsheviks rose to power because of wars that World War One that the Russians had tremendous costs and loss. And it was a horribly mismanaged war by Nicholas and Rasputin was also involved, which was a whole nother nightmare. So it was like this nightmare government and the people had had enough and they were super brutal against the people then too, but they overthrew the government and they shot all the Romanovs is what happened. Wow. So, you know, Russia doesn't have like a nonviolent history. So, so Putin, you know, this is a very, a lot of things can happen here and there, there's a lot of uncertainty how that all works out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you're thinking through what you're hearing through the grapevine or whatever is that we should buckle up for more pain from both uh, Russia, uh, Ukraine, the U.S. response uh, and and maybe even the Fed or, or are you keeping the Fed out of that one? Well, well, like so like like let's separate like geopolitical and business. OK, OK. You know, 100% of people in America today did the same exact things they were going to do yesterday, irrelevant of Ukraine. Right. So there's zero economic impact on the United States. Okay. There's maybe a couple more people who are scared and they're watching CNN. So it's good for CNN. Yeah. Okay. So CNN gets a boost as they always do when there's a war. Most of what we talk about with Ukraine has no impact on our economy. It just, it just doesn't matter. So we care because we're people and we care about freedom and we care about what's best for the world. But Ukraine and Russia have been doing this for like a long time. And so the uncertainties are where the markets get spooked. You know, like, yeah. is Putin going to win? Is Putin going to lose? Are we going to be drawn into a real war? You know, sure. like, are they going to take the whole NATO. country? Are they going to hold the whole country? So one of the things people have to understand is Putin can't hold the Ukraine. It's a massive country. You know, he has 200,000 troops. It's not an occupation force. So to occupy a massive country has never been done successfully if the people don't want it. So in the past, you have to overthrow the government and put in a new government so that the people sort of think they want it. But to just right. go in and start blasting everybody, was he going to kill 20 million Ukrainians? I mean, it's it's crazy, Right. So nobody in the world is going to let that happen. So the end game is really about pressuring NATO not to join, um, pressuring Ukraine not to join NATO. They take that region, Donbass region, and they're just bombing military sites so that they have less defenses. And, and Putin's trying to get a, a strategic win without having to commit the troops yet. And if we don't get that, he's going to have to commit more troops and he's going to have to try to take over parts of Ukraine. And it's going to be an extremely difficult and painful process for him. Forever. It's not going to be short, like a Crimea annexation. No. This is much larger. Many Ukrainians more people. are going to fight. Okay. See, Ukrainians are tough. And they've been fighting a lot of them for a long time. And there are a lot of money on the line here. A lot, of, lot on the line. So if the re Ukrainian people aren't going to fight for Ukraine, who's going to fight for Ukraine? So I, I think they're going to fight. And, yeah, and Crimea was, I think, like, yeah, 120th the population of Crimea uh, was of just Ukraine. a military installation. 
So Crimea was a strategically important port for Russia. That's why they took it. And it was easy to take. And it wasn't, there wasn't much to take except the military shit, you know? With Ukraine, you got a massive country with major cities that are spread apart. You got a big river down the middle, which kind of cuts the country in half. And you got a lot of farmland. So there's not like jungles and mountains where you can hide. So you bring a bunch of tanks across a field with today's weapons, you can blow them all up. Wow. So, you know, there's a couple video games that you can kind of try to act these out like tank battles with modern weapons. It doesn't, it doesn't end well for anybody. Wow. So, so Putin's got himself his new Vietnam. That's what he's got. He's got his new Afghanistan. And the best part is we don't have to lose anybody. You know, it's Ukraine versus Russia, which is basically, it's a regional conflict that we want to contain and we want the Ukrainians to win. And it's really going to bleed Putin and his government. It's a huge positive for the U S that this is a massive misstep for Putin. And it, it's rallied the world around ousting Putin. This is a huge mistake for Putin. And, and I think it puts the U S and, and the rest of the world in a better place if we successfully navigate this crisis, but wow. we have to do wow. that. We have And so if, well, you expect though, because I mean, I think the question in everybody's mind is, is this going to be short or is it going to be long? So Georgia and Crimea were, were two to six weeks. That's right. it. Are Don't, we talking six months here? What are we talking? We're talking about we have no idea how long or bad this can be. Hmm. And it was kind of like COVID. Oh, it'll be over in six weeks and we'll be back to work. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that's not 30 how days. Work. 30 days to slow the spread, man. Right. <laughs> that's it. We'll be back. I'll be back partying. No problem. Um, that's not how it works. you got to put this in the context of history. This conflict has been going on forever. Forever. Stalin tried to starve all the Ukrainians. You know, it, this is the same conflict. The, so in, in it was only seven years ago, it was a Russian satellite state. Seven years. That's it. So even the young people here watching YouTube are old enough to remember when Ukraine fell, it was this guy Yanovich and he got run out by the Democrats, you know, like the, the, the liberals, they had enough of the corruption, whatever. It was a wonderful time. And Ukraine fell. This was seven years ago. Putin's not over it. That's what this is about. And as Zelensky gained power and moved to the West and, and modernized and people start having money and people got start watching Netflix and having a good time and nobody wants to go back to the Russian system. I get that. I get that. But this is not a new conflict and it's not going to end in six weeks. It's going to go on and on and on. And there's two outcomes, one where Putin loses and he loses a lot of power and face and maybe even his government. And another outcome that's possible is that they win. His, I don't think his pride is going to let him give up. No, no, Putin doesn't give up at anything. What happens is you lose. See, yeah. so Russia functions like a mafia family. And the mafia family has these oligarchs and the oligarchs control all the industries. And the only thing that matters to these people is money and power, right? And the only way we can get Putin to listen is if all his partners get wiped out. So there's yachts all over Europe we should be seizing right now from Russian oligarchs. We should be taking their crystal and taking their, you know, Rolexes and 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 their houses in London. You know how many oligarchs has a house in London? Do you know how much Russian wealth is literally in the city of London right now? We could seize 
tons of penthouse, you know, apartments worth hundred million each. These guys would have a heart attack. A heart attack. I saw some kind of note about uh, UK limiting how much cash Russian nationals could have in UK banks. Do you that's think right. that's almost a, a way, a, a part of that? That's the whole game. Mm. See, what happens is they steal all the money from the Russian people and then live this high life around the world. Mm. You know, they have their $300 million yachts. They're in Nice, you know, in France with, on having the parties with all the girls and the alcohol. That's the Russian guys. Okay. So we shut that down and they're stuck in their little cold, shitty country. Well, let me tell you, they're not going to be too happy with Putin. Okay. So Putin only controls these people because he'll kill them all. So Putin's in control, like, like, you know, like John Gotti, because he just whacks anybody if you get too snippy with him. But if they lose all their money and they can't go travel and they can't have their girlfriends and their, and their European vacations, it's not so fun to be a Russian anymore. And how long are they going to put up with that? Yeah, no kidding. So you think, because here, you know, we hear like politicians are funded by obviously big dollars. Right. How does that then work in, in Russia if, if it's more like mafia style? Because it's not like it's like, oh, yeah, here's $5 million. Go run your campaign. No, it's violence. Go take care. Violence is how it works. Violence. Extreme violence. Okay. The, the brutality of a Russian prison is hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. The brutality of Russian regimes to their own people in history, only Hitler was worse. So when you look at Russian history and the brutality of the way they treat their own people, I mean, just, it's the worst history I've ever read. It's horrible. So you're talking about a very unique place where a tremendous amount of hardship has happened. And yet these are sophisticated people who have the opportunity to have a great life and, and Putin's just dragging them into the gutter. But that's how they maintain control is brutality, just horrendous brutality. Now, uh, trending on Twitter right now is nuclear because yes. uh, Putin mentioned uh, if anybody messes with us, we'll attack and we have nuclear weapons, to which the French government has responded and said, hey, you know, NATO's got nukes too. And now people are like, oh, well, this is not the conversation we want to be having. That's <laughs> Tell right. Tell me your thoughts. You want me to scare you some more? <laughs> yes. Currently, the United States is on full national nuclear alert. We have our nuclear bombers scrambled currently, and we are prepared to destroy Russia currently. We are literally a button push away from destroying Russia forever, right now, right now. So if you have any confusion about the strength of our military, of our nuclear weapons, and our preparedness to destroy Russia, you should have no doubt that we will destroy them. Now, the other hand, the Russian ha system has an aging nuclear arsenal that was mostly built long ago. And this aging arsenal has to be maintained very, very expensively for a very long period of time because these weapons have never been used. If you don't use and test your weapons, you're not 100% sure that they work. Okay, we've had uh, nuclear testing bans with Russia for quite some time. So we haven't actually tested nuclear weapons in a very long time. Only North Korea has been the one who's been testing nuclear weapons as they've been trying to develop them. So Russia has a risk that these weapons have problems. They don't know. 
They don't know. So when you threaten nuclear destruction, but you're not 100% sure how good your nuclear arsenal really is, and you're taking on countries that have modern weapons, it's called MAD. It's called Mutually Assured Destruction. So if both sides have this situation, this is how I lived my entire childhood in the 80s. It's a, it's a wash. So Putin can talk his shit, and we're going to talk our smack, but nobody's going to fire a nuclear weapon because it's Mutually Assured Destruction. But the real loser would obviously be Russia. But a nuclear exchange has never happened since World War II. And it only happened in World War II because we did it. So I think that there's very little risk of this. Good. What about an attack on NATO? NATO is really the United States. So, so no. No. What, 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 what really it is, is that the Russian fighting forces would have no chance against any modern Western military, especially the U.S. Especially the U.S. The U.S. military is so good at what they do. Okay, we have been fighting wars for the last 20 years. 20 years we've been fighting Afghanistan. We've been fighting jihadists. Okay, when you fight a jihadist, they strap a bomb to their body and they have a machine gun and they run at you and they're not scared of dying. It's extremely difficult. There is not one jihadist in the Russian military. Most of them don't want to be there. How's the morale going to be? How's the morale going to be taken on the Western nations of the world, many of which have experienced militaries? It's not going to happen because they would lose. We spend 10 times annually what the Russians spend on the military, 10 times what they spend. They're just trying to keep their force strong enough. Okay. So we're really talking about a guy who's so far past what his potential is. It's embarrassing. And he's like grasping for relevance in a world where he's become irrelevant. He's no different than Kim Jong-un. He's just got more weapons. Okay. Right. And that's what this is about. He wants the greatness of Russia to be back, the great Soviet Union, and it's never going to happen again. It's not going to happen. So it's What's a tough time. You know, yeah, because what's your take on uh, oil uh, energy prices? Obviously, we're going to have a little bit of a shock in, in Europe for a period of time. It's probably going to affect us out here for a bit. Uh, and that's going to lead to some more inflation, at least from energy prices and producer prices for a while. Yeah. It, it, and this has happened a couple times, and I'm thrilled about it. It's the <laughs> best thing that could happen. But to encourage an EV transition, you're going all in on Tesla? <laughs> I'm in. That's the business I'm in. It's called the fuck oil business. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck Russia. That's right. I'll say it. Fuck Saudi Arabia. And the best way you can do it is buying a Tesla. You buy a Tesla, you buy a Polestar, you put solar on your house, you buy batteries, and you don't use oil because my my cost of living hasn't gone up at all. Your cost of living hasn't gone up. Same price. I don't buy oil. I don't buy gas. And now, uh, maybe what, food's what, a little more expensive. I don't know. Well, well sure. And I mean, maybe even like natural gas or heating costs for some people or travel and, and input costs and things like that. I'm all for, for not, you know, I'm all for having the EVs, but, um, well, how's the inflation going to play out for us then? I mean, it's adding fuel to a fire, yeah. you know, no pun intended. Well, this is kind of what I wanted to talk about today, that the world isn't going to be the way it was the last 10 years, the next 10 years. So we're going to have higher inflation. And you can't bring supply chains back to the United States. You can't build factories in the United States. You can't employ U.S. workers without getting inflation. And deflation was really caused by globalization, by sending all of our business to China.
So it was real easy to send people to China and lower our costs. Well, we don't want to do that anymore. So the upside of investing in factories in the United States and paying people more is that everybody in the United States benefits from this investment in our country. The downside is the cost of living goes up. Okay. So this economy is much more like the 80s, where instead of inflation running at one to 2%, maybe it's going to run at two to 3%. And when I started in the business, we used to run hypotheticals with inflation running at 5%. Wow. And then we lowered it to four, and then we lowered it to three. So we still run our baseline inflation rate at 3% when we're doing hypotheticals and to the future, but it's actually been 2% for the last 20 years. We were about to lower it to 2%. But the reason I didn't is I would rather overestimate inflation when you're trying to figure out your financial future, right? Right. So a 3% inflation rate is what I expect over the next couple of years. And with that, yields closer to 3% on the bond. This is why I'm selling my bond. Yeah, that's why I've sold my bonds. But also what you get is 3 to 4% growth of GDP versus two. And that means much higher earnings. Nominal. Just real dollars, right? Okay. So, so like if you think about a company today, like Home Depot just reported, and they reported a great number, and it helps them that there's inflation because they pass that on, so earnings go up. So you could say like inflation-adjusted earnings might not go up as much, right. but you don't do that with earnings. You don't adjust earnings for inflation. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, Home Depot did say they sold less stuff. That's right. But had larger revenue because a sheet of plywood that used to be. Ending. That's right. Yeah. Plywood was $15. Now it's like $50. <laughs> and Home Depot makes the same margin. So if they make a 20% margin on $13 versus a 20% margin on $15, they make more money. Hmm. So inflation hmm. is good for stocks. Most people don't understand that. In stocks are a hedge against inflation. That's what they are. When you own info technology, less so. Okay. So, so companies that build things, you know, I'll give you an example. We, we started buying a little bit of a mine, um, Mountain Pass, MP. It's lithium. It's a U.S. producer. They got a contract. It's a, you know, the government is now making lithium production and mining a national security issue. Because we can't get everything from battery supply chains from China because we're going to be totally beholden to China for all our new tech and battery. So the United States government is encouraging investment here in the United States to build out the supply chain for batteries. But if you own a commodities company that pulls rocks out of the earth, so I'm buying rocks because if I hold rocks, the rocks go up in value when the dollar goes down. So mining companies do well. <laughs> you know, it's like I own rocks. Um, a lot of things do well if you could charge more. If Disneyland charges more, they just make more money. Sure. So inflation hurts margins when you don't pass on the price increase. Okay. But if you pass on the price increase, it doesn't hurt you at all. And that's what's happening right now. They're passing on the costs. And so the real issue is now that we've, we're up at $100 a barrel and the cost of doing everything is more expensive. Um is next year it going to be another 5 or 7% higher? And I don't think that's the case. So I think the pace of inflation is going to, to get lower than obviously 5 or 7% a year. So I think we're going to move towards 3% a year by the end of the year. And I think that's partially going to be caused by a lot of these uncertainties um, and higher rates, you know, slowing the economy, which is what it's supposed to do. 
So let's talk about that and, and the Fed. How responsible do you think they are for shock and awing, so to speak, the market? Yeah, and, they're part uh, of the problem. Okay, part of the well, problem. It's, it's, well, it's Ballard, you know, like the job of the Fed isn't to like jawbone talk at press conferences all, all day. You got all these Fed governors saying different shit and none of them yeah. have power. So a Fed governor has no power over rates. The chairman of the board decides what the Fed's going to do. So each Fed governor says, oh, we should raise rates this and we should raise rates that. And then the Fed, you know, then Powell decides. So Bullard can say, I want 50 basis points. And they put that on CNBC. But there were three other women came out saying, oh, yeah. we only want 25 basis points. And that doesn't make the news. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Daily, Mester and all of them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. And none of them matter. And I'm like, <laughs> why are... Why are they talking? You know, is it their job to do press conferences? Who decided this? So it's become detrimental to the markets. And I think that, you know, we're going to be writing to the Fed that this should stop. It's like the stock trading around it, too. So they're commenting in the market and they're stock trading. So now the Fed can't stock trade, you know. And I'm like, these fucking goofballs should not be doing press conferences, right. including Powell. Um, it just hasn't provided value or transparency. Um, that said, I have a lot of faith in the Fed doing this right. And now with Crimea, I mean, now with Ukraine, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it sort of makes the Fed be a little more cautious on how aggressive they're going to be because, you know, do we want to really sink the U.S. economy in a time of tension and war? You yeah, know? right. Not a good idea in an election year and all this kind of stuff. So... So I actually expect March when the Fed meeting happens and we get certainty yeah. to be a good point to look at markets again. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was looking at uh, some of the Fed speak today. I know you don't love some of these people, but um, the ECB, for example, European Central Bank, they said this uh, war uncertainty may delay the right. withdrawal of stimulus. Right. Uh, and then Barkin, Daily, Mester all came out talking about how uh, it's too soon to tell, but this could end up affecting demand and, and end up naturally lowering inflation. Right. That's correct. That's correct. Now, so, fortunately, fortunately, nobody in America really watches the news. They watch me, Kevin. So oh. because everybody watches me, Kevin, we're informing people more than CNN is. And so actually, most people don't give a crap. You know, I hate to say it because a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people on YouTube are trying to be very informed, which is great. But that's not our country today. Our country today is most people don't care about the news and don't watch it. And so very few people have changed any behavior. I haven't seen any change in any behavior from anybody. I've got a lot more questions from people who watch the news, though. What do you think about Biden saying uh, that Putin has greater ambitions than Ukraine? What does that mean, since everything around is essentially NATO? I think... What he means is that in his mind, he wants to see the Soviet Union mm. be great again. You know, it's like Trump. He wants to make Russia great again, you know, mm. or make the Soviet Union great again. And what he's really seen yeah. and what he's really seen is all his satellite countries go to the West and go to NATO. And so when he says he has greater ambitions, it means that if he was able to take Ukraine easily, like it would only embolden him to look at the other countries that are seemingly independent, like Belarus, which is an ally of Russia right now and, and implicit in the genocide that's going on right now. Um, he might just take that country over because they've had a lot of 
uh, riots and uncertainty with the government. Remember, he had to send his secret police in to brutalize the, the uh, what are they, Bulgarians or something? Uh, Belarusians. Um, and, and so that government's teetering. So what he might end up doing is then every country that's teetering going west, he then invades and creates his own Soviet Union again. Um, mm. So that's what I think he means by greater ambition. But Ukraine is the big prize. Ukraine is the largest country that they can take that has the history that, you know, really makes it attractive. And how hard this is for him very much will determine the future. And that's why I think Biden is being so forceful now, which I think is smart. And I think he's been handling this so far pretty good. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes as a wartime president moving forward. Yeah, that's a good point because Bulgaria is a member of NATO. I think it was like four, the 2004 or something like that. But right. Belarus isn't. You're right. right. And and they are they were the launching ground for this attack. So, so it, why yeah. not just take both Ukraine well, and, that's, and, and... That's the point. That's the point. Because if he takes Ukraine, why not take Belarus? Because they have an unstable government and the people are tired of the Belarusian government too. And people then... want oppression. You know what I mean? Like... In general, so this is what I was talking about at lunch. Like, so th some things have changed that Putin hasn't factored. And one of them is the internet. People today, we live in a much smaller world. And there's probably Russians and Ukrainians watching your show. And there's probably Russians and Ukrainians watching Netflix. And they're probably playing Call of Duty. And our, all of our global cultures have gotten closer together because of the internet and social media. And so... I think Putin has underestimated that the global community wants freedom and nothing is really secret. And, and this aggression is, is being played out full fledged on social media and it just makes Russia look horrendous. Yeah. And I don't think he's factored all these things in, in the modern era, but people don't want oppression in war across the board. It's just not what humans want. And, and so I think we're, you know, this could be a huge mistake from Putin because the power of social media is much more powerful than the gun, actually. Wow. Wow. What What do you think about, uh, like, I mean, you, do you think social media is essentially amplifying these protests? Because now we're seeing the protests not just in Russia, but we're seeing them in France, in the United Kingdom, in America. Uh, people are donating Bitcoin to, to the Ukrainian uh, right. resistance and the army. Said, I think they got 400K in Bitcoin donations. That's right. Do you think social media is essentially amplifying this? this Look at ISIS. Look at what ISIS did. They were a bunch of weird jihadists that became a country because of social media, okay? They were attracting thousands of volunteers a month to jihad in the middle of nowhere to basically die through social media, okay? So the Ukrainians are playing that game and they have got sympathy of the entire world. If you go onto Twitter right now, the entire world is sympathetic to Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, okay? that's true. And you're absolutely right. They also called, they said, if you wanna fight, Come to Ukraine and we'll give you a gun and you can fight. And people are going to do that because people want to go kill the Russians and Putin, you know? And so, like, you've got mercenaries. I mean, you, you know, this is, once again, it just becomes the next Vietnam for Russia. And so it's like in the social media era, the phone is more powerful than the gun. Wow. What, um, what do you think about the sanctions? You know, I'm just looking here. The Lithuanian president just came out just now, minutes ago, and, and said that, we need substantially stronger uh, sanctions that 
it's got to be done today. Tomorrow might be too late is, right. is what they're saying. Like Ukraine needs help and y'all, you know, being babies. Yesterday, Boris Johnson got lambasted by the Financial Times in the United Kingdom, obviously, for, for his pea shooter sanctions. And, uh, you know, Biden's tranche one was a complete joke as well. Oh. The fact that they didn't go for the swift banking system today was also a shocker. Like, right. sure, maybe... Uh, Italy and Germany are a little PO'd, but, but like, let's go. I mean, what, what's your take on all this? Um, sadly, sanctions don't do anything to Russia. You know, this has yeah. been going on forever and that's the reality. So Russia saved about $600 billion in gold and for in foreign reserves. Russia has almost no trade with the United States. Most of their trade is with Germany and it's mostly around energy. Russia provides energy to countries around the world, including the United States. And that's the only way they make money. And you can't say no, because it's like 12 or 15% of the global production. So the only sanction that would work is if we stop buying Russian oil. Mm. It's the Which only we didn't thing. sanction. We literally did not sanction the energy. We can't because we just, we just pay more. And, <laughs> and, and, and so, so the, so Putin has been sanctioned his whole freaking life. If you think that bothers him now where you cause the pain is, as I've said, is in the lifestyles of the people who benefit from Putin's largest, mm. which are the oligarchs. And they're, as I said, in London today, in Europe today are billions in oligarch assets from yachts to homes, to art, mm. to everything. That could be seized immediately if these people had the you know what. And that's what I would be doing. And if you were a Russian oligarch that isn't in Russia right now, I would arrest you. Wow. That's what I would do. Okay. That's what Putin will understand. But these sanctions aren't anything. We got to play hard and we got to play dirty. And not only do you arrest them, you arrest them and you put them in a hole where nobody knows where they are. You don't arrest them and bring them back to the United States. We put them in that Bulgarian prison where we used to put all the, the jihadists. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, but you take a couple of these guys, Abramov and all these, you know, go oligarchs and you start messing with them and, and stuff gets uncomfortable real quick. And, and that would get back to Putin essentially to get him to maybe chill out. They would be calling Putin tomorrow. If we seized their lifestyles. Uh -huh. Okay. Okay. There's no need um, to be rich. If you have to live in Siberia or Moscow, tw 12 months of the year. Yeah. None of them are going to live there 12 months of the year. 12 months of the year. They live in well, Europe. Uh, they all live in Europe. We, so we just got an update here that uh, Google is telling Kiev employees to shelter in place as the city comes under fire from Russian uh, uh, aggressors yeah. or the army. Good idea. Um, is Kiev going to fall today no no kiev is a huge city it's a city where my relatives are from and kiev not only is a massive modern city just for russia to occupy it would cause tremendous damage and destruction and death i mean tremendous i i can't even imagine trying to take a city of millions of people with one hundred and fifty thousand troops it's it's not a pretty sight. Like, it's genocide. It's like dead babies and all this kind of stuff. You know, that's not going to play well globally at all. Kiev is also strategically a little bit in a difficult position to take, too. 
and and how far they spread their forces out. You know, there's a lot of strategic issues with dealing with that. I don't think that's the goal right now. I think if they can take Dunbas and and these these outer regions and hold them, they'll be pretty happy. That's the mm. current plan. I think they're creating fear. They're bombing. But what they're really trying to hit now is military installations, aircraft, anti-aircraft, um, tanks, artillery pieces, because you can't invade a country if their defenses are up. So you have to bomb their defenses for a few days. And then we're going to see the mobilization probably in a, in, in a few more days where then they'll move the actual troops into that area um, of Eastern Ukraine so that they can take the separatist region. So that will be their first goal, probably to take the separatist regions that are most aligned with him. But to control a country that nobody wants you to be in control is a really, really tough thing because you get, you know, terrorism, you know, they'll, they'll blow up the tanks and, you know, it's, it's real hard. Well, speaking of uh, terrorism, it's almost like there's this update of, of uh, essentially Russian-style terrorism that just came through from Zelensky. Zelensky just said in a video address uh, that uh, the en enemies, so Russian, sabotage groups have entered Kiev, and, and, and then he subsequently urged residents to be vigilant and observe curfew rules. Uh, how, how do you think, I mean, do you think they're going to even bother with Kiev? Do you think this is how they start? Or like you said, just control the separatist areas and just leave it at that, maybe cause problems somewhere else, but no occupation? Right. So, okay. so what's the goal? The goal is to get Ukraine to be subjugated to Russia and not join NATO. I That's mean, if they threw a flag up on uh, the capital, Kiev, they, they, they won. Well, not if nobody in Kiev goes along with it and there's unrest constantly, right? Okay. So, so the goal is to get them not to join NATO and to become more of a Russian state, to overthrow the government, okay? Occupying the country is not the goal because it's you would need like I mean, we sent 500,000 troops into Gulf War One when we invaded Iraq. We sent 500,000 troops to Baghdad, and that didn't work. <laughs> so in Vietnam, I think we had around five or 600,000 troops at any one time in Vietnam. That didn't work. We never controlled any of Vietnam as much as we thought we did. If the people don't go along with it, you don't control it. You know, wow. so they need to overthrow the government. So by putting saboteurs in, by creating fear, by blowing up stuff, destabilizing the government, getting the people of Ukraine to be done with Zelensky, that he can't protect them. That's the goal so that they overthrow him and then Putin's puppet can take over. That's nice. the goal. But the idea of sending, you know, millions of Russians in to peacekeep an entire huge country of 60 million people or whatever. It's just not going to happen. So they're trying to destabilize the government, overthrow it. Just that's the simplest way to get control. And it's the least painful. So you're saying we might end up with another Dimitri. Right. That's what they want. Okay. That's what they want. So you're, let's talk about investing now. You, you so you're going, this has been your reason to go big on, on Tesla or one of the contributing reasons, but I want to hear more from you about Tesla. I also saw some solar companies today, right. like NAs and, and Sunrun did it exceptionally well today. Yeah. Solar uh, ads we own. Yeah. Yeah. Power. So tell me a little bit. What what what's the investing strategy? What's going on with Tesla? Okay, so, what's up with so this, this uh, SEC crap? So let's uh, well, Tesla and SEC is a, another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a good one. 
Um, so, so, every, so when alternative energy and Tesla was like, so if you go back, I think it was like 15 years ago, um, United States came up with this thing called, you know, fracking. And the, we had these shale areas and we used to get all of our oil from foreign countries and very little from domestic. And what happened was we figured out through technology and through these shales that we would be able to get tons of natural gas and oil very efficiently. And we grew our ability to produce oil from something like three or 4 million barrels a day to like eight to 12 million barrels a day, you know, and we became one of the largest oil producers in the world equal to Russia and Saudi Arabia. So currently in the United States, there's three main players. We're one of them. And then it's Russia and Saudi Arabia. And so during that period of time, oil prices were going higher and, and we had no control and it was like a national security issue. Like we need to have control of our energy, you know? And so we invested a ton uh, as a country into building the shale players and they became really successful and it countered the power of Russia and Saudi Arabia because when they can just jack up prices to any level, it was like gouging consumers and making their pockets flush whenever they felt like it. And what happened was um, under Obama, they came up with this idea, well, we can't just have, just help oil companies pump more oil because it's bad for the environment and it's not a solution long-term. We need to come up with alternatives. So Obama had this program where he funded a bunch of green companies and he got criticized a lot because a lot of it were bad investments. But one of them was Tesla. Mm -hmm. Tesla started as a government loan, which they paid off in full with profits. And the idea was, how do we create alternatives? Because $100 oil is reality and, and, and you know just pumping more and more oil is a bad solution because of the environment. And this whole industry, whether it be solar, batteries, and EVs, was born. So it's really only 10 plus years old. You know, So Tesla is a 10-year-old company. It's, it's like, or it's older than that. But you know, basically the first car was 2013. So, you know, it's eight, nine years they've been making cars, like total, grand total of their entire existence. Not including like the, the old roadster yeah, thing, just the new up. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in, as far as scale, the Model 3 started in 2018. So right. nobody scaled EV production until literally three years ago. Okay. So when you think about what would get you to buy an EV, Back in the old days, it was oil prices. That was a, that was the main reason. It wasn't better tech. It wasn't this or that. The charging wasn't as good. There was no infrastructure. But if you wanted to save money, you could do it. And that was like the bullish case for Tesla. Back in the old days, when oil prices was 100 bucks, everybody's like, oh, this is a bullish case for Tesla because the longer it's at 100 bucks, more people are going to want EVs. Yeah. When oil dropped to $40, it was bad for Tesla because it's like, well, this doesn't cost me anything. So why do I need to buy an EV? Right. Okay. So I have two goals. One goal is to save the environment and, and it would lower gas prices if we pump more oil, but it would be very detrimental for our environment. So I like high oil prices because it teaches people to use the alternatives. It's the technology adoption. And that technology is battery technology, EV and solar and renewable energy. So when these things happen and now we're being dragged around by Putin and Saudi Arabia, again, it creates the government even more incentive to get a solar and renewable energy bill passed this year. 
which is on the agenda. It's we need to get off oil. Like how many times are you going to pay $150 to fill up your truck before you've had enough? So what, what uh, what's your take on, because, you, you know, we're, we're still not quite yet at that parody where it's like, ah, you know, it's, it's still cheaper to have natural gas and oil than solar and wind, at, at least for now, because, because of the battery storage and the reliability in that, right? So uh, why not just have the Keystone pipeline on for another 10 years or something while we get these costs down, we get the innovations in? Is it because you're trying to incentivize those, uh, those innovations or, or what's your take on that? Yeah. And why not loot nuclear? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Why, why do I have I to do that? Why do I, if we're going to talk about, oh, so I got to keep Keystone pipeline pumping oil and tons of oil, you know, why don't we build a nuclear plant? There's not going to be a yeah. Chernobyl. We're very good at nuclear stuff, actually. But because of, you know, Fukushima yeah. and Chernobyl and Three Mile Island, you know, before you were born, nobody will build a, a plant. And yeah. nuclear energy works and it's renewable or whatever you want to get green or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's and right. so, the simplest solution in the world is to commission a couple of nuclear plants and we're done. Well, I suppose we, we always have that option, but uh, what, why, why don't they, uh, is it just, uh, is it just politics these days? Yeah, that's it. Well, that's it. Okay. Nothing so, more. Big bull on Tesla, solar edge. Uh, what, what else are you looking at right now? Well, this is, this is where it gets interesting. So, so let's not talk about technology because okay. the next stage even though technology always benefits, you know, like technology is a core position for us in, in our investments. It's about 25 to 30% of our investments. And that's not going to change, you know? So there's great technology investments you can make right now too. But where the market's going and where the economy's going is where we're putting our money. And that's the MGM hotels. That's Disneyland. That's the going out play. So yeah. we're looking at the going out play. I'm looking at every theme park in the country. So a stock that I'm looking at right now, it's a company called Cedar Fairs. They own Knott's Berry Farm. If you've been down here, they own 13 theme parks around the United States, Sunbelt. Um, they've been severely impacted by COVID, like all theme parks. Last year wasn't as bad as the year before, but none of the parks have been open the full year. So this company called SeaWorld, which owns Shamu, you know, the in San Diego and they had that whole problem with blackfish and the, and, and the oh, torture yeah. of animals. And so SeaWorld was a very popular park when I was a kid, I was a big fan of Shamu and all that. I didn't realize they were torturing the animals. <laughs> and, uh, but when you have kids and you know, you have kids and, and you go down to San Diego, you go do these things, the animal park, the SeaWorld, you know, that's what you do. So I've been looking at SeaWorld for a while, but nobody in the company will let me buy it because they torture fish. And, um, even though they don't torture the fish anymore, they still won't let me buy it. Um, and then there's uh, Six Flags, which owns a bunch of uh, theme parks and, and amusement parks and rides, roller coasters. And basically, um, SeaWorld tried to buy uh, Cedar Fairs just recently. And they bid 60 bucks. They got turned down. They bid 63. They got turned down again. Um, Cedar Fairs trades at 55 today because they turned down the deal. The stock's worth way more. That's why they turned it down. And it pays out. It's a partnership. It pays out its profits in cash. So it has a really high dividend when the parks are actually open. And the dividend should be 3 to $4 a share once the parks are open again in April. Their, their season starts in April. 
so I'm taking a good look. I haven't taken a, a real position in this company yet, but I value it at 70 bucks. Supposedly Six Flags wants it for 70 bucks. Um, What's the ticker? It's fun, F-U-N, and that's the beauty of it. What a great ticker. How do you lose in a company that's ticker is fun, you know? Um, and so it's like, I'm looking at Cedar Fairs because I think what's going to happen in spring, you know, they're taking the mask mandates off here in LA yeah. uh, today. Um, you know, my basic theory is people are going to go fucking crazy this summer. <laughs> the travel. So we're, I, I, I built MGM now into my number two position behind, uh, Tesla actually. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. So, wow. so I've been adding to Disney. So I went through Disney as well. So Disney owns a tremendous amount of properties, right? Yeah. So they have hotels like in Hawaii, they have cruise ships, Okay. And then they have this whole development outside of Orlando and Disney world. And now they're building this thing called Storyville in Palm Springs. So they've decided to build like even older communities for housing. So it's a community for, it's like a Disney community for old people. I think now I want to go. <laughs> me too. Sounds then, fun. This is how smart they are. Cause they know like my generation that grew up on star Wars, we're getting old yeah. and and it, and like I could go live at a Star Wars community in Palm Springs. It sounds kind of good to me. I was teasing the people in the office this morning. It's like when I retire, I want to dress like Boba Fett and like walk around, you know, and, and like Palm Springs is perfect because it's kind of like a moon. You know, it's like super hot and like deserty. I'm like, this is the best idea I've ever heard. Wow. So, so I added to Disney because I think their properties are going to do so well. I think people are going back to the theaters, too. I think people movie business does well. Um, theme parks. Are you all well. in on AMC then? No, AMC is just poorly run. Okay. You know, everybody likes this Adam Aaron guy, but I think yeah. he's a doofus, you know. But he's an ape. Whatever. They don't know him. He's a doof. <laughs> and what happened was he took $10 million off the top right when this shit went down. I don't know if everybody realizes that. Oh, yeah. And I own AMC bonds, though. I do own AMC. I, I'll take that back. I own the debt of AMC. And so AMC owes me money and they're paying a very high interest to me right yeah. now. And you can well, buy that debt right now for 75 cents on the dollar, maybe 80 cents on the dollar. I think I'm getting the, uh, when I bought it, the yield was 11%. So, uh, you know, it's quite nice. I bought it at 50 cents on the dollar. Now it's 78, 70, 80 cents on the dollar. So I think you get something like seven, 7%, 8% from AMC. It matures in, three years. And if it matures at maturity year, you get another 25% gain if it's if at maturity. So I think AMC stays in business. I just don't want to own the stock. When did, uh, or what do you, what do you take then? Or what do you think about, let's say Cedar Park or even a Dave and Buster's Carnival Cruise Lines? These companies are pretty saturated with debt. How, how yeah, do you handle that? Debt ones. I don't want the high debt ones. So Carnival Cruise Lines, pure cruise lines. I don't want. Okay. Super hard business, super expensive business to run. And you got to go to foreign countries and let people off and get them back on and they're going to get coronavirus. So I don't like the cruise business as much. And I can get that exposure in Disney with a lot less risk. Um, yeah. So then there's restaurants. We looked at restaurants today. I hate the restaurant business typically. I, I, I really think it's a bad business. And all my restaurant clients are constantly suffering. And the only reason they're in the restaurant business is they're either a chef or they love entertaining. 
Yeah. You know, um, but profits are tough. But we looked at like Ruth Chris today, which is a stock that I've looked at for my entire career and never own. And I have this partialness to Ruth Chris because it's a New Orleans company and they make steak and butter, which is my kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, we should go. No. And yeah, so, go. so we think that restaurants are going to do well. You know, we didn't get around to getting bullish on it because I still don't like the business. But re my restaurant guys are doing big money right now. They're making mm -hmm. big money. Everything's packed pack and they have more space now you know because they've been allowed to go out onto the right. into the parking lots and all that and so even with the more space they're 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 just super busy and so you know labor costs have gone up food costs have gone yeah. up but the cost of going out has also gone up and are, so are they finding employees well it's funny because good restaurant people haven't had the problem because they just pay people it's, it's really about the restaurant people who want to still pay people 15 bucks an hour. Not going to happen. There's nobody to hire in LA for 15 bucks an hour anymore. No. So the going rate is now 25 bucks an hour for anything. For anything. So, so I think if you pay people in your restaurant person, you'll, you'll be okay. A lot of the restaurant people, you know, who've made it are the ones who've been here for a long time. So there tend to be better operators. And uh, have you looked into Dave and Buster's? You know, not as a stock, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. I haven't looked into it. Maybe I'll look at it tonight, you know. So I, I bought it. I don't hold it anymore. I bought it during the pandemic and wrote it for a little bit. And uh, one of the things I thought was really neat about it is uh, they, what they want to do is they want to open up smaller scale stores because, you know, they're arcade slash right. restaurants. That's why they I like to open up smaller scale, scale stores in malls. And I think to myself, well, the mall business is kind of dying. Do you ride this and hope that maybe malls are like, please, Dave and Buster's come in here, bring people right. to the freaking mall. <laughs> That's what's happening. Yeah. That's what's happening. So malls suck still, which I don't really yeah. want to be in. Yeah. But the malls that are really succeeding, like the Palisades Mall, have pivoted from retail to entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what is the uh, virtual th reality thing? Yeah, they have like the VR things. Yeah. Like the you like the like in the Palisades, what Caruso's doing. Like Caruso, Caruso's the model. So you put a bunch of restaurants, you have a theater, you have like fun things to do and stores versus yeah. lots of stores and some stuff to do. You yeah, know, and, and so the malls that are doing well will offer people like Dave and Buster's like free rent, basically. Yeah. Because they can drive business in. So restaurants and entertainment can drive business in. And and what Caruso just did, which was super smart, I couldn't believe it. He put Tesla superchargers in the Palisades. I don't know how <laughs> he got go. this. So we had like five or six chargers in this whole EV area. And yeah. he just took out half the parking lot and made it a Tesla supercharger station. And I'm like, <laughs> this is amazing. They just opened 20 superchargers here in Santa Monica. Yep. Like, it's amazing. And I'm like... If you want people in your mall, put Tesla superchargers there. Good point. Yeah. And so I, I think that Dave and Buster's is not a bad idea. I don't know how well run the company is, you know, mm. and that's the research we do. Checking out <laughs> management. Dude, I sold the company because in an earnings call, the CEO is like, all right, to get people back, we're going to start doing like, radio shows and like giveaways yeah. in the yeah. store and i'm like yeah, sell. <laughs> have you heard of snapchat dude have you heard of fucking snapchat you know and it's like <laughs> yeah 
investors could do exactly. so well if they had an online strategy because it's like they should be like you play games there, right? You know? Yeah. Oh man, that's funny, dude. What about Airbnb? Ooh, they had a good month. Yeah. I mean, good quarter. So Airbnb, I it's kind of like one of those companies where I love it and I hate it. Um, so the plus to Airbnb is it's very well run. So, you know, actually the CEO of Airbnb has done a phenomenal job through the pandemic. I mean, he was in serious trouble and he pulled it off. He did a great job. I, so Airbnb is the one and only, you have Verbo, which is okay, but Airbnb is clearly a better platform and it's a very good platform for renting houses and rooms, but it has the Uber problem. And the mm -hmm. Uber problem is that for them to be profitable, they have to charge more. And so yeah. the fees at Airbnb are very high and I refuse to pay them. That's the bad. So I rent houses all the time. My yeah. wife and I prefer renting houses over hotels most of the time because of with our kids and, and the space we need, it's just easier to rent a house, right? And so um, we'll go look on Airbnb and then we just book it directly with the, the people. I'm not going to like- you, How do you do that? You just look up the house. Everybody's got a real estate agent. Now, it's not the same when you're doing low-end stuff, like I'm renting a room from some dude. But yeah, if you're yeah. renting a house, a lot of these people have their own websites and their own agents who are also trying to market the house, and they don't want to pay Airbnb fees either. Yeah. So most of the houses that I rent have their own websites and their own agents, and they're on Airbnb too. You see what I'm saying? Interesting. And, so but you look I'm up the pay. name or whatever of the property, and there it yeah. is kind of. So like, or, or let's say you just like, right. So if you search like properties in Park City, let's say, you know, just on Google, you'll get websites that aren't Airbnb, you know, right. then you can look on Airbnb and see a bunch of houses and you're like, oh, that house is on 14 Montgomery Street. And you just put in 14 Montgomery Street into Google and then the, the website will come up where the real estate agent is. Yep. It's not that hard. You don't have to try that hard. Um, or you just email them like you have a question and then their agent will email you back. And then you say, I don't want to deal with Airbnb. And they say, that's fine. Wow. So the, so that's the problem with Airbnb. And every city is getting sick and tired of them. So a lot of cities are limiting how many Airbnbs can be Airbnb'd. Like Santa Monica, mm -hmm. you can't Airbnb. In Venice, you can't. But what's happening is in Tahoe, they don't want it anymore. In Hawaii, they don't want it anymore. People don't want it. And so you get in these battles with the cities and, and, you know, like in Palm Springs, it's horrible. If you rent a house in Palm Springs, you can't play music in the backyard at all. Like zero. That's but if I, but if I own a house in Palm Springs, I could have a huge party, but it's only if you Airbnb because that was what they agreed to. So I can't even play music on my phone while I'm laying out at the pool in Palm Springs in my Airbnb. Cause a $5,000 fine. Oh gosh. Okay. So that's Jeez. the problem with Airbnb. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. I'll just book it myself. I, uh, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll stay in a hotel or, or whatever, but I'm not going to deal with all these rules and issues and fees. And it so probably doesn't help that the thing's selling for like 97 times earnings for 2022 anyway, huh? I'm not doing that anymore either. Right. Yeah. So the stocks that will not work are ones with PEs from the old days. Okay. The so 2025, the 50. <laughs> Even Tesla's trading at like 50 times this year's earnings right now. This year, exactly. Yeah. So yep. like if Tesla's trading at 50 X, I'm not paying more than 50 X for anything. 
because they're growing at 100x. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's true. So They got the growth and the margin. That's right. And a great business. And they're about to open a massive factory in Texas and in Berlin. And they're expanding in China. And full self-driving is getting closer and closer. Oh, my God. They're doing so many good things. Uh, yeah, that's what it would, I think. Uh, what do you think about the German or the Germany gigafactory though? Are they going to win this lawsuit for the water rights? No. <laughs> so I was, I was laughing about this the other day. So Tesla is the most environmentally important company in the world. Mm. Germany is behind the worst polluter in the world called Volkswagen. <laughs> Volkswagen deceived our entire world by producing huge emissions in vehicles and lying about it. Yep. And that somehow environmental groups are trying to stop Tesla. Now, don't tell me that's not like Volkswagen behind this. You know what I mean? So it's just a bunch of BS that's going on in Germany to slow Tesla down from destroying their competition. And mm -hmm. it's not going to work. There's plenty of water in Germany. Okay. And environmental groups should not be protesting the most environmentally important company in the world. It's just absurd. So what's happening is Germany is proving why Europe isn't competitive. They're proving why so many companies choose not to do business or not to open factories or not to put their headquarters in Europe because it's impossible to do business. I did a rant the other day on Europe and how bad it is trying to do business there. And it went viral and all these Euro people were like, oh, what are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, I can't do business in France. Okay, I can do business in England. I can do business in Germany. We have a foreign deal with a bank called Van Tobel Bank in Switzerland. I can do business anywhere in the world except France. Why? And Canada. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. French have their whole rules that say I have to physically be in France if I want to provide financial advice in France. Wow. Yeah. How silly in 2022. Yeah, that's wonderful in 2022, isn't it? Very progressive. And in Canada, we can't do business at all. And I'm like, what did the Canadians do? I can do business in Mexico, which is basically a country controlled by drug dealers, but I can't do business in Canada. Wow. So governments, especially in Europe or Euro-based governments, have wonderful ways of startling economic growth and you know creating lots of policies and procedures that are impossible to navigate. And that's and Tesla will get through it. And they're producing cars right now. There's a bunch of Model Y sitting in the Berlin parking lot right now. And we're just waiting for approval. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, what the beta test cars or whatever. Yeah. They, well, what happens is they start making cars because they can and they want to get the system working as quickly as possible. And how many sure. can we make a day? So you got to get up to, you know, oh, we're going to make a thousand a day. You know, so you start off, you make, you know, 10 a day and then, you know, and then, then you make 20 a day, you know, and then you ramp, you know. What about Lucid? You know, they just recalled. I don't know what. Uh, they recall your car? Did they take your car back? Uh, well, so uh, mine wasn't part of the recall. What happened was my father-in-law goes to pull it out of the garage and oh, it no. just starts flashing all these lights and it's like steering control, broken contact customer service immediately or whatever. So yeah, they towed it away, but it was unrelated to the recall. It just happened to happen. On oh, the so you had day. a software problem. That's my guess is that was software. We'll see, but that's oh, my guess. Software. It sounds Every, like it. Everybody with know. Lucid's have had software problems. You what? Everybody with the Lucid has had software problems. Oh. Okay. Yeah, you're not the only one. All right. They've been pulling them all back. They deliver them and then they take them back. 
So that's where Lucid's at. So you're going long on earnings. <laughs> I, you know, actually, I took a long look at Rivian the other day. Oh, wait, tell me about this. Yeah. Really? Come on, man. Yeah, well, because Lucid, I can't buy because it's Saudi Arabia. And, you know, I love oh, the car. I did love the car. It was fun, really fun when you brought it down. Like, it's a cool car for sure. Um, but building them is a different thing, right? Yeah. So Rivian, I love. I have to say, I go on to their website. And I've seen them before. We have clients at Rivian. Rivian is a, you know, kind of a West Coast DNA company. And they're out here on Abikini. They got this little store and it's like a little camping store, you know. And yeah, Rivian, yeah. Rivian's vibe and marketing is like right up my alley. You know, it's like outdoors. Okay. And there's huge demand for this like Land Rover of EVs. And that's the way I see Rivian is it's like Land Rover, you know, where it's higher end and they make this SUV that everybody loves and these trucks that are expensive, but everybody loves. And, and they are cool trucks. You know, I haven't driven one and I haven't actually, they haven't given one to customers yet. But when I was reading Rivian, what really got me going was things like they took 1% of their equity and they gave it and they put in a foundation uh, to benefit the earth. And that equity is worth, at the time, it was a billion dollars. Now it's worth several billion dollars. And I was like, and, and the thought process was like, we wanted to donate 1% of our equity to the earth. Wow. So if we succeed, the earth succeeds. And I was like, that is the type of thing that I really like. You know, I just, that the way the company's thinking, their vibe, the, the, what's important to them. And then I went on and I was like, so when does anybody get a truck? <laughs> I was like, well, we don't know. Yeah. And I was like, and then I even posted on Twitter, does anybody know of any idea when Rivian will get a truck? Because I really want to buy the stock, but I ain't buying it if they can't make trucks yet. You know, yeah. crickets, crickets, crickets. So there's no trucks. So I have no so idea. Do you wait then uh, for production? Do yeah. That's what I did with Tesla. I waited until the Model 3 was being able to be produced and I could go in and buy one. So I can do that with a Polestar right now. And that's why we've been adding to our Polestar down here to 10, 50, 11 bucks. Polestar okay. is making cars. They're selling cars. They had a lot of success with their ad in the Super Bowl. Um, they're really, really, uh, they're going to close the SPAC in the next three or four months. And then they go full-fledged out there, but they're selling EVs and the demand is off the charts. Um, I'm going to be meeting with management next week. So I'm going to get an update of how things are going. Hmm. I want to go. I can see if I can get you in. Let's do it. It's March, March uh, in, in another question, uh, Kathy, your friend yeah. sold out a Palantir, <laughs> your other company that you love. What's happening, Ross? With Kathy or Palantir? Both. <laughs> I can't talk about Palantir. You know that. They go after me <laughs> daily, man. They go after me daily. They're, they do shit to me daily. Dude, just buy it. And then the hate will stop. I can't buy it. I would, I would, I would have a hard time sleeping at night. Isn't Palantir supposed to be defending us from the Russians right now? Um, no comment on Palantir, but I have no, no sadness seeing the stock go down. Um, <laughs> Kathy, on the other hand, is just—it's a crazy thing to watch. I, I don't, I haven't seen this level of destruction of wealth in a long time. You know, she. She has really mismanaged people's money. I, I, and I, you know, look, I'm a fan and I, and I'm, and I love, I love ARC, but to lose 
60% of people's money and the trades she's made are just horrible, just bad trades, you know? And I think Josh Brown had her on last week and was like, I'm trying to be respectful, but tell me what's innovative about Teladoc. Like, I just, I don't see it as that innovative. What's so innovative about Roku? I just don't see it as that innovative, you know? Like Roku was innovative when there was no other player except Roku, you know, that was, that was a long time ago, you know? Um, and you've seen it with Robinhood too. Like he was like, Robinhood is a bad brokerage firm that sucks at what they do. Like, why do you own tons of it? And I think she just blew out of all of it on a huge loss, just like she blew out of her Palantir at a huge loss, you know? So I'm responsible for $2 billion and I've lost a decent amount of money and it sucks. You know, now we've made our clients a lot of money over the last two years, like Kathy, but there's no fucking way I'm losing it all. You know what I mean? And you just have to manage money differently. I I just don't manage money the same way as she does. That's as I was saying, my, my top holdings are looking more like MGM and Disney and like, you know, I love tech and I love innovation and I still think those are great places to invest, but the market doesn't want that anymore and it doesn't want hundred PEs. And so- So you got to just accept reality and move on to mines and 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 Dave and Buster's and physical things that people are going to go do and spend their money. See, I look at it as where are people going to spend their money? They're yeah. spending their money at Nike right now. They're spending, you know, we're looking at Ulta salons, you know, the beauty industry. Ulta is a great company. We're looking at LVMH, which is a European luxury goods. They also have beauty and alcohol, which is doing very well. We're looking at what people are going to go do over the next six to 12 months. And I just think there's this pent up demand for fun and being with your family and friends. Like I went out to dinner with my friends last night, like 10 of us, like, like it's, it's almost like hard to do. And we're finally over the hump. You know, and it's like, we're out, we're just having a great time and money is like no object because it's just been so hard to get together with your friends. And now people are going out, the bars are packed, you know? So, so, you know, that's where we want to invest. We want to invest where the money's going. It's going to Disneyland and it's going to, to fun. Um, Now is zoom a great company? Of course, but is it going to grow as fast as it's been growing? No chance, no chance. I don't want to zoom that much anymore. You know, I zoom for work, but you know, like I'm over zoomed over the last two years, you know, does that mean you're also at least for the time being, maybe not the most bullish on maybe uh, fintech and like online consumer discretionary, like Etsy. Right. Right. Um, so, so fintech is a different animal okay. because I'm very bullish on Bitcoin that hasn't changed. And I'm very bullish on Coinbase. within fintech but boy paypal we sold out of it's been a dog and i don't think management knows what they're doing and and square has been one of the most disappointing investments i've ever made wow i i really am pissed at jack because he dumped twitter and i thought that was a great move and that was why we bought square because i like wanted him to focus for like so many years and (laughs) and then he like changes the name and He's just tweeting a bunch of garbage all day and the stock goes down the tubes because what the hell is Square doing, mm. you know? And they bought Title, and he's like, wants to be a music guy. And he's like, oh, I'm going to build NFTs. And I'm like, dude, you've got a business to run. And this business is about transactions. That's how you make money and lending. And then you've got crypto now and you've got an app that's not as good as PayPal and you could work on this app a lot and make it much better, you know? And it's just, the pace seems... 
to not be good enough. So I I I had to tax loss harvest some of my my square because it was down 50%. So we sell, you know, when it's going down. Um, so we own a lot less square now than we did. And I don't know if I'm adding back to it because I think what I've been doing is, is buying Coinbase with that money instead. Oh, okay. okay. So, so Findex been a huge loser, you know, the last three months and, yeah. but I'm, I'm no less bullish on Bitcoin or the digital economy, but I am less bullish on some of the players and the way they're playing it. I guess is the best way. So Coinbase okay. is the play on that in my mind in fintech. But then you mentioned like Etsy, Shopify, Pinterest, Snapchat, you know, like all these online businesses. Um, even Roblox got hit a little bit, but we added to Roblox today. Um, they just, it's just not where the eyeballs are going. So Etsy's a fine business, you know, all these businesses are fine, but like, I don't see any reason why demand would be better than expected. So look at it, look at the market. It's like expectations are baked in now of like what people think is going to happen. Like we were talking about what stock were we talking about? Costco today. And I said, right. well, Costco trades at 40 times earnings. Everybody knows Costco's good. Everybody uses Costco. What's the catalyst that we don't know about that will make Costco way more valuable? And that's the way the stock market works. So what we're betting on, like with Disney, is that their actual physical properties will be incredibly more profitable over the next mm. six months than estimates. Okay, that's our bet. Same with MGM. I think the casinos are going to be way more profitable and the, and the conventions are going to come back faster. So, so the market knows everything that exists today from all the players who are playing in it. And so you have to come up with stuff that people don't really know. So I don't see companies like Etsy and, and them like blowing out their numbers in the next six months for some reason. I think the omni-channel business like Ulta, where people go back to the stores and shop and have online are right. better businesses. Interesting. Okay. Uh, why do you think, you know, just sort of going quickly back to the Roku thing and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Why do you think in the Roku uh, earnings call, they would complain about how bad the chip shortage is for TVs. Right. This all makes sense, right? Labor costs go up because they're trying to reinvent the wheel with different chips and stuff. Uh, and, and they're talking about how manufacturers have pricing power and how, how TVs are a really low margin business. This right. is at the beginning of the earnings call. Then at the end of the earnings call, uh, actually, I think it may have been later that day or the next morning. They're like, by the way, we're thinking about getting into the business of manufacturing our own TVs. <laughs> <laughs> like, am I missing something here, or does that not make any sense at all? Right, sell, sell. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, just wanted to run it by someone. Yeah, you don't want to make TVs. Yeah. So yeah. Sony wishes they could not be making TVs. You know what I mean? <laughs> it would make Sony a lot more valuable if they didn't make TVs. You know, well, Apple. Well. This was like a long time ago. So there was a long time ago. I used to think Apple was going to make a TV. And that yeah. was the thing. I go on C CNBC and I was like, they had the iPad, just make a bigger iPad so I can put it on my wall. <laughs> I used to take the iPad and like stick it on my wall and just, imagine if this was just bigger, you know, Tim. And he never made the TV. And I and then he comes out with this little like box thing. And I was like, what the fuck is that, Tim? You know, that's your Apple TV. Like put that in a fucking TV and sell the whole TV. But it was the same idea as Roku, where it's like, we don't really want to be in the TV business. Yeah. Let them buy a Samsung and they can buy the brain to add on. But I think in the end, that's a mistake for Apple. I think they should have made the TV and maybe they don't make a lot of money on the TV, but right. you could just buy an Apple TV and it had the box in it versus these stupid boxes because now nobody's buying the boxes because the software's in the TV. It's all smart TVs. Yeah, like exactly. Roku, right? 
But you buy a Samsung, you can just connect to apps through the Samsung. You don't need an Apple TV. Yeah, you turn it on or plug it in, connect to Wi-Fi, you're done. You know? Right. Totally. Totally. Okay. All right. What else? What other stocks are you trading in right now? Uh, Enphase, Nvidia, Tesla, and I'm actually Disney's actually on my list. Uh, and yeah, and, I added uh, to Disney. I, yeah, Disney. I was Today. I was almost personally too. Target, by the way, uh, they've been. You just sold down. our Target. Oh, did you? Yeah, we did. Well, I, I was holding some Target. It's not making me any money, and so here's the thing about Target. <laughs> what? When did you buy it? I don't know. Six months ago. Okay. All right. Um, so my thing about Target, because I think it's one of the best retailers, yeah. um, and that's why we own it. And I like Omnichannel, and they, yeah. um, and they do a good job. And they have Ultas in Target, by the way. Yeah. And, um, but they suffer from all these problems with supply chain and labor, and it's like yeah. it's hard because they have all these stores, and yeah. managing stores is kind of hard. And like you got all these people that are basically lower wage people. And so those are all the people who want raises right now. So Target used to function by paying people $15 an hour. But as I said, things are more like $25 an hour. So if you're a Target employee and you want to make more money, please call me because I'm looking for a housekeeper. (laughs) You know, it's like, and I'll pay you $10 an hour more than Target. You see what I'm saying? And I'll pay $10 more than Ross. <laughs> yeah, you keep saying that until somebody takes you up on that. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny. One of the reasons I've been hesitant about Target is because, and I think it's so stupid, and I think they're they're starting to solve this, although I haven't confirmed that they're actually solving this yet. The way they used to do online is they would get their shipments. They'd go have somebody unbox everything, put the garbage on the shelf, then somebody orders it online for, you know, local shipping or whatever. Then somebody's got to go take it off right. the shelf and put it back in a freaking box. Like it's the DoorDash model. <laughs> but it's terrible. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like, terrible. That's why Amazon's such a prominent you know? company, you know. And, and, you know, Dan Loeb, I think, just took a huge position in Amazon and, and put out this whole thing about how Amazon should break up and the value of AWS and all ah. this. And I was like, this is not a bad thing, you know. This is a pretty good pitch. It, I, w- I wasn't too hot on Amazon, but I, I decided, you know, uh, okay, this got me more interested again. Um, so my thing with Target, I just think it's a hard business to run in this environment. Yeah, okay. Um, I agree. But I think it's the best of those companies. But like when you have Tesla go to 750 and I own Target. Yeah, yeah. Switch. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Target. You know, yeah. what about uh, Google dollar stock? You know, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta sell my target to buy Tesla. You know, How about you know, uh, so the, the last question I have for you, and, and you asked for more stock, so I don't want to keep you too long. <laughs> last, well, I'm just curious what you're what you're trading because I, I just haven't caught up. I've been so busy, oh, no like I, you know, and everybody's like, everybody thinks like they're like, oh, you and Kevin are not on the same page, and this and I go, oh. no, not at all. I'm like, Kevin is not a dumb guy. He makes his decisions and I make mine and I'm not always right, you know, and, and it's a tough market right now. And, and if he wants to play it in cash, he can, that's not the way I manage money, but I'm not going to fault somebody. And it's like, for me, I just don't think I can market time. So I don't want to be, but I have a ton of cash right now. It's not like I'm a hundred percent invested. And, 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 you know, I'm not not in margin because you don't do that. No. And that's why these times don't fuck me up because there's no, there's no, like, I'm not going broke, 
I'm not losing all my money. I've lost probably more money than most people care to lose, but you know, it's, I don't look at it as lost actually, (laughs) actually, I just look at it as not here for now, but I'm not using the money, you know, but I'm, I'm so confident about the future of the companies I own. I literally have no fear. Like last question then advertising, Google and trade desk. Do you care? You know, as, as Google is one of the best buys you can make in the stock market right now. Google, Google. Yeah. It's a great buy. If it hasn't been this cheap, like if you don't have Google in your portfolio and it's trading at 20 times forward earnings, you better buy that stock. Okay. Cause it's YouTube and YouTube is television and YouTube is the future and the now it's 50% of people's viewing time is on YouTube. You know that. How do you not invest in YouTube? And Google has just mastered the advertising ecosystem. So you got to have that. It's core positioning. It's, it's got to be in your portfolio. It's core in our portfolio. It's about a three and a half, four percent position in our portfolio. And and if I was buying tech right now, Google would be top of my list with Tesla. Huh. Are you just not buying tech? I bought Tesla today. Okay, I mean, but I count otherwise Tesla's you're doing fine. Climate. I, yeah. I count Tesla's climate. So I'm not buying tech right now because we were already, we already have a heavy weighting in it. And I'm happy with those stocks. That's not where the market's going right now. The market, see, like what happens with traders who don't adapt is they keep trading the same stocks that worked on the last cycle, you know, but that's over. Is this a Kathy reference? It's not just Kathy. It's a common mistake. It's a common mistake because we make money in these stocks. We want to keep trading them like they'll keep being what they were when the pandemic was on. But the pandemic is over. So you have to change your playbook. And that's what a lot of investors have a hard time doing. You just have to change your playbook. Like what's next? And what's next is people going out for real. Factories coming back to the United States. Manufacturing. Industrials. The Dow. You know what I'm saying? So we see the Dow outperforming the NASDAQ by a huge amount. And what did we see today in the reversal? The NASDAQ outperformed the Dow by a huge amount, right? Mm. But the market's been very clear who it prefers right now. And it's Mr. Dow. Yeah, that's true. I don't play the game of, you know how like Kathy said the other day that the market was wrong? Yes. Yes, I watched that. That's when you delete that person from your list because the market's never wrong because that's where it is. That's like saying nature is wrong. The rain shouldn't be pouring on my head right now, huh. but it is. Yeah. So the market's not wrong. You're wrong. Okay. And it's a humbling business we're in. It really the market can change quickly, which it does. Changes quickly. And what your job is to do as a money manager, what my job is to figure out what is going on now, not yeah. what we did two years ago that worked amazingly and made me a star, which was Tesla. So if so, I don't look at Tesla as going to be like Tesla's kind of like a guiding light, but it's not yeah. going to be the end all be all for the rest of my career. I have to find new companies, but those new investments have to be relevant to what's happening today. We looked at military and defense companies today. Hmm. Boy, NATO's going to have to spend some money. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I don't know, but then I talked to my stepfather and. He's like, dude, it takes like five years before any of this stuff even gets made. You know, it's like, 
That's true. I mean, the Pentagon was just complaining that because inflation is so high and their budget's not going up with inflation, they're actually not going to have as much money for the freaking military. <laughs> All this crisis going on. The first on. thing that happens, right, is the first thing that happens, the war breaks out and they're like, we need more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Spend more money. Yeah, that's a good point. But I love, right, I love Northrop and Raytheon, and they're also involved with cybersecurity and such. Um, but we're not not making those investments. But So that's what I'm saying. You got to look at what's happening, where the market's going, what are people going to be doing this year, where is money going to be spent? And that's where we want to invest. And that's the physical world again. So the digital world is still very attractive to me. And, and it's still a big part of our investment. But the next phase is the physical world. It's the industrials. It's it's commodities. It's it's people spending money, going out, buying cars, infrastructure, you know, traditional type of companies, home hey, building, you know, real estate. My, my Model S Plaid has lost less money than my Tesla shares. And that's the opposite of usual. Well, the Model S Plaid doesn't go down. <laughs> doesn't go down in price. You know, that thing is good. But you know what? You haven't lost any money on Tesla. You've been given a gift. Yeah. You've been given a, just a gift. Because in my history of investing, especially right now, there Tesla has never been in a better place of certainty to achieve its goals. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I could have bought the stock for the same price two years ago or whatever it was. And it yeah. was like, they were in a lot less certainty, you know, way riskier. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. Considering I'm literally have a date that I'm going to Austin for the opening of the factory, which they confirmed with me is opening on April 7th, the most consequential auto battery technology factory in the history of America is opening in Texas on April 7th. And people sold the stock. Yep. I bought some today. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Wow. Well, so sorry, Target. I'm sorry, PayPal. You know, it's like you guys got to go. It's going into the Tesla. It's going into you your family. What? You bring it. I saw your tweet. Are you bringing your family? To which one? Austin? I was I was planning on it. That's why I reached out to Tesla. Yes. Yeah. Typical Tesla, right? So yeah, yeah. I go Tesla, you know, I am. I'm super important. You guys know. I want to bring more people to this thing. So what do I get back? Was like, well, of course, Ross, you know, we'll take care of you, but we just can't guarantee four tickets because the priority is obviously we're trying to get everybody in Texas to come, you know? Yeah. And I was like, that's fine. You know, I don't need to take my family. You know, it's just, you know, let me know. But like, that's the demand to go to this event. Oh gosh. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. But see, there's some brilliance to all this marketing that people don't understand is that he's about to start selling a truck and Elon is aligning himself with the truck people right now. <laughs> you notice that? Oh, yeah. You think That's he cares point. about Canadian truckers, really? Oh. You really think he wakes up in the morning and he's like, boy, these vaccine mandates for Canadian truckers are a real pain. Huh. Or is he a brilliant marketer who aligns himself with the truckers before he starts a truck business? And he puts <laughs> his truck business in Texas, the truck center of the world, right? And he invites everybody to come for a big barbecue party to see their new truck factory. Aha. Uh -huh. Genius. And what do you think is going to be the hottest product of 2023? The, the cyber truck. <laughs> wow. Wow. And by That's the way, I'm using full self-driving every day now. It's getting better every day now. It's doing more and more of my drive well every day now. And it's it's cool. 
it's cool to be a part of. So, you know, once again, if God said to me, Ross, you can only own one stock for the next decade, what would that be? There is no doubt in my mind it would be Tesla. Wow. Wow. Oh, well, that's a perfect way to end it, except for you telling us how people could get in touch with you to yeah. invest with you. So I'll leave you with this. Part of surviving corrections in, in even bear markets is good financial planning. And that's what we do at my firm. It's not about picking stocks. It's about putting yourself in a position to succeed in life. And that's not being over leveraged or not taking risks that you can't afford or, or not building a portfolio. Instead, you have a bunch of speculations. That's what we do at my company, GerberKawasaki.com. We have a free initial consultation. If you're a meet Kevin follower fan, we have lots of you guys as clients. We're happy to meet with you, spend an hour, go over your situation and make recommendations how to build a better future for yourself. That's things like tax planning. Right now it's tax time. Have you done your IRA yet? You know, are you maximizing the benefits at your workplace, like your 401k and other benefits? That's what we do. And that's financial planning. The other side of what we do is investment management. So once we manage your money, we actually actively manage it and try to make you money where a lot of firms don't do that. I also have the ETF GK, which is incredibly cheap right now because of the correction. Um, our portfolio is as cheap as it's been in a long time. Um, I personally put uh, basically all my new money into the fund unless I'm buying Tesla stock. Um, and it has lots of advantages. ETFs have lots of tax advantages as well. So tax planning is a really important part of what we do. But most importantly, in these times, if you have questions and you're concerned, feel free to reach out, gerberkawasaki.com. Send us an email. If you go to our website, we'll make time. I have 27 great advisors here at my firm who will make time to work with you and help you build your plan. But this is a great time to do it because during these corrections, if you rebalance correctly, when the market recovers, you actually end up making back all the money you've lost and then some. But you have to be able to buy low in these times so that you can make back the money and then some when it recovers. Because if you just bought at the high and now it's low and you don't do anything and then it comes back, you haven't made any money. Okay. So it's buying over time and buying low is the way you make money in the stock market, but none of that's very easy. And that's why having a financial plan is so effective in reaching your financial goals. That's my pitch. Thank you again, Kevin. Uh, for having me as well. And, and once again, I say it every show, I love what you're doing. I love the content that you put out. Um, I think it's become a, an integral part of many of your followers' lives as far as following your information and, and your advice. Um, I don't think traditional television does a great job giving people financial information and advice. I think the media is very focused on clicks and likes and whatever. And, and not that you aren't, but I think you're doing it through trying to provide great information to people and you do it every day and you're super dedicated to it. And when things got tough, you didn't go back to, you know, sports or real estate or whatever, you're still doing it. So I, that's what, how you can tell somebody who really cares about what they do. You know, when things get tough, I don't just like disappear and stop doing your show, you know, whatever. Um, it's, it's, you know, I want to be here for people when, when things are tough, cause it is tough. You know, and that's the, I think people really appreciate you still being on the show and being honest with what you're doing with your account and all that kind of stuff. So, so I appreciate it too. Thank you very much, Ross. Well, thank you everybody for watching Ross hang out for a second. Everybody else. Thanks for being here. We will see you in the next one. If you found the video helpful, share the video, go check out GK, uh, the ET, where, where is it? There's the button right there's there. Uh, hash, it's a ticker symbol. GK is the ETF or GerberKawasaki.com also linked down below. All right, folks, we'll see you. Bye.